0: What was it like um, getting presented that award virtually by Joe Bonamassa? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: Man, it, it was such a huge thing for me. Like Joe has been a huge influence on me. In fact, arguably he's been the biggest influence on me. Right. Uh, and um, you know, I, I've you know met him a bunch of times. He's a super lovely guy and super smart guy, and just he's a total nerd. He really is, and just oh, like yeah. you know, just talk about anything and everything with him, guitar related and things like that. Um, so yeah, he's been a huge influence on me, and he's actually the reason why I wanted to be a professional musician with my life. Uh, after I saw him at the Royal Albert Hall in 2009, uh, after that gig, I stood up and turned to my parents and uh, I was just like, this is what I want to do.
0: Greetings. Welcome to another Guitar smarts podcast. Thank you so much for downloading. This week, we have the absolute privilege to be joined in conversation by a future British blues guitar legend. Matt Long is the guitarist and singer in the very much up and coming blues band Catfish. in the last few years have played at almost every major UK blues festival and have established themselves as a real force in the British blues scene. Their first album, So Many Roads, reached number one in the IBBA Airplay charts, as did their second album, Broken Man, which was also nominated for a UK Blues Award and was named Album of the Year by the IBBA. Their current album, Burning Bridges, was the third most played album by the Independent Blues Broadcasters Association in 2019. They released a live album follow-up, Exile Live in Lockdown in December 2020, which was recorded during the summer of 2020 when all the venues were closed due to COVID. Fast forward to May 2021 and the UK Blues Awards were held virtually Matt and his band Catfish were nominated for five awards and Matt walked away with the award for Blues Instrumentalist of the Year for the second year running, a real testament to his guitar playing ability and an award presented to him virtually by arguably the world's current most revered blues instrumentalist and his hero Joe Bonamassa what an incredible story for such a young talent please go and check Matt and his blues band Catfish Out at www.catfishbluesband.co.uk you can go there to find out more about the band buy their music look at when their live gigs are really support them and support Many other UK blues bands, if you can, they're going to need it coming out of this pandemic. Finally, stick around until the end of the podcast to hear Matt Long's performance of his song "Ethereal" that he performed at the 2021 UK Blues Awards. Right, that's enough from me. Let's get to it. Hey, Kieran, how you doing, Matt? You well? I'm very good, mate. How are you? You well? I'm good, I'm good. It's Friday, it's been a good week. It's been a busy week but I'm looking forward to the weekend and I'm really looking forward to this podcast.
3: Yeah, me too mate, me too. So as we usually start, what have you been uh, listening to this week, what have you been playing this week, anything uh, of, Anything different? You're still stuck in a, in a Steve Lukather toto I'm still toto stuck in a, in a Steve
0: Lukather toto hole which I can't get out of. <laughs> absolutely um i I don't know if that will ever end i feel like it's a spiraling endless hole of of things i can't play (laughs) one day one day but yeah i'm 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 still i'm still there on all the usual stuff as well you know clapton bonamassa all that stuff just still enjoying you know the same old stuff but um you know what about you have you been listening to anything new this week
3: i have and obviously in preparation for today's podcast right so yeah. i've i've and the uk blues awards recently took place so i have been kind of rekindling uh and re-updating my knowledge and i must say i i must have been living under a rock for a couple <laughs> of years but i have gone deep deep into uh a couple of bands um who have somebody in common so i've i've been listening to catfish this week and i've been listening to the revenant ones and my goodness that no no bullshit <laughs> i am thoroughly thoroughly digging it and and to that end they they have a a common member which is uh well they have a couple of common members actually but um today on the guitar smarts podcast we are absolutely delighted to have with us uh Matt Long, the uh, guitarist from both Catfish and the Revenant Ones, and it's going to be an absolutely cracking episode. I can't wait to chat to Matt. Yeah, today.
2: thank you very much for having me, guys. Yeah, good to you, that, was, that was very sweet of you to say, so thank you very much. I do
1: appreciate it. <laughs> well, I'm, I mean, it's... Right it's... <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we should say, you know, you are you are very much, you know, a future British blues legend in the making, I think. You know, oh, yeah. bless you. The, well thank the you very music much. That um nice. uh, you've had you mean you've got three albums out at the moment, as well as the 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 uh, the Exile Live in Lockdown album that you released. Later yes, last year yeah. um but also you know fast forwarding to just this week just gone we've got to start off by congratulating you for receiving an award at the UK Blues Blues Awards this year for instrumentalist of the year which yeah, is I think the second yeah. time running Thank that you, you won that award is that right
2: uh yeah second time uh, last year uh, again it was a virtu- it was a virtual um ceremony last year and it was virtual ceremony this year obviously because it's all all been going on Mm. but it it still didn't take away any of the 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 shock and the you know it it certainly didn't it certainly didn't take away any of the intruder syndrome that I had going on (laughs) (laughs) um But yeah, no, it was absolute honour to be nominated in itself, and then to actually be presented with the award was, you know, incredible. And I'm I'm eternally thankful for everyone for their you know ongoing support, especially during times like this. Uh, So yeah, it was just, if anything, it was just a reassuring thing it was like yeah people actually give a damn about what i do and you know like they, they, they care and it's like oh that's that's more reassuring to me than you know like the, the actual award itself i'm just like yeah that's really really cool to, really cool to see and i'm just so thankful for that so yeah it was a it was a big big thing and i'm very thankful
0: fantastic what was it like um getting presented that award virtually by joe bonamassa <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Man, it, it was such a huge thing for me. Like Joe has been a huge influence on me. In fact, arguably he's been the biggest influence on me. Right. Uh, and um, you know, I, I've you know met him a bunch of times. He's a super lovely guy and super smart guy, and just he's a total nerd. He really is. And just oh, like yeah. you know, just talk about anything and everything with him, guitar related and things like that. Um, so yeah, he's been a huge influence on me, and he's actually the reason why I wanted to be a professional musician with my life. Uh, after I saw him at the Royal Albert Hall in two thousand nine, uh after that gig, I stood up and turned to my parents and uh I was just like, this is what I want to do. I wanna yeah. do this for a living and I wanna play here eventually one day if I have the opportunity, like at the Royal Albert Hall. I'm just like, yeah, this is this is what I want to do. And like I was just about to uh this I was young enough that I was about to start thinking about uh college mm-hmm. and things like that and further education, things like that. Uh, I just finished my GCSEs, I think it was around that time. And I said to them, I don't want to do normal college. Uh, I don't think that's for me. I want to go to music college and kind of actually properly uh, further my musical abilities as best I can. Um, So, yeah, I really do owe a lot to Joe. And to have him present this award, even like virtually, I'm just like, this is This this is someone else. That's surreal, right? It's it's definitely one of those things that's going to stay with me forever. Like I said, I've I've met him a bunch of times before, and he's always been really generous to me. But it's just something really symbolic to me um, that he did that. And I was, yeah, I'm eternally thankful to him, and obviously eternally thankful to UK Blues Federation, and of course everyone who voted for me. And I'm absolutely gobsmacked. I really am.
0: Fantastic. Well, congratulations again. I mean, it's thank you. That's a great story, much. man. I mean, starting with the Royal Albert Hall gig and then coming yeah. down to now, it's almost like a, a full circle in a way, isn't it? And yeah. It, at it's, least it will it's...
2: be if you play the Royal Albert Hall. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll that be a gig to do where I'm like, I could quite, like, if I did the gig, I'd be like, okay, I could quite happily call it quits now because I've done the thing that I was like to set out to do. I won't, but you
1: know. Yeah. Um,
2: <laughs> But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, that, that's like a, a bucket list kind of thing for me. And and Absolutely. yeah, it's just, it's just mad. I've, it's been a few days now and I'm still like, I'm still kind of like pinching myself every now and again. It's like, it did
3: happen, didn't it? I'm just, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it did. It
2: did happen. <laughs> yeah, it must be
0: quite surreal.
3: Yeah. Yeah, definitely is. But it hasn't happened. It hasn't happened by accident, right? You've grafted. <clears throat> I mean, you've, you've really dedicated yourself to, to kind of your art, especially with like going and studying as the first part of it but then really kind of applying yourself and getting out there and gigging and and writing as well i mean the quality of some of these songs is absolutely i was just saying to to other matt where before before you joined the call i mean some of these songs they're earworms man they are in my head i woke up like this morning like uh (laughs) singing like soul breaker in my head man i just got my (laughs) that's a great track man and then um uh, i was driving my car to the to the garage to get some work done on it today and uh i don't know if you guys get this but when you're particularly into a tune while you're driving and the guitar face thing starts to happen and you're really (laughs) enjoying it you're digging it right you're you're, you're laughing so i'm I'm guessing you get this so i'm driving along like 60 or 70 and i'm like Whoa, that is a that is a solo man. That was, I, was
2: just, uh, I just, yeah. just imagine like people driving past the other way looking at you looking <laughs> weird like what the hell's yeah. going on? What's wrong with it? Has he <laughs> been stung in the face? Is it like a, a like a is there like a, a gas leak or something like that? Is he smelling is that, something yeah. weird? I don't know. It's probably, a, um, probably a wasp in
0: his car or something yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's it.
3: But that's 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 my thing. That's when I know in that's when I know I'm digging something because it's oh, yeah, an inadvertent thing. I, I I was just yeah, this this is and the, and you can you can hear the Bonamassa in influence for sure but you've got your own style as well with it and your own tone which um and hey look it's never a bad thing to have a bit of (laughs) bonomas playing and in your lick life i think think it's especially uh, common
2: with guitarists nowadays is that they always should and they do wear their influences on their sleeve and mm -hmm. not try and hide who who they're influenced by? Because there's a lot of people who are like they, they feel like it's uh oh, I'm influenced by this guy, but I don't want people to know about it because they think I'm like copying his style or things like that. I'm like, no, it, it's not a case of that. It is it is definitely a case of you have to be influenced by someone, and that you will you know instinctively take on some characteristics from them. So it, it's uh, a yeah. because there's obviously something that gravitated you towards that person and and their style of playing, and it definitely was for Joe. I love I love all his playing and things like that. But I, I'm the same with people like Stevie Ray Vaughan. I'm like I love I freaking love his playing and how he how he goes about playing things and things like that so it really is just like a melting pot of musical influences for every guitarist and musician in general um yeah you know, Absolutely. So it's, it's definitely a thing you should be proud of and wear on your sleeve a lot more
3: i, thought, I don't think people do that right mm. people people get bashful they're like yeah. well you know uh i'm just because i think there's this there's this thing right where people want to try and create their own sound they want to be individualistic, but yeah, that which doesn't I totally necessarily happen, right? Yeah, that doesn't happen by accident. It happens by assimilating things into a melting
2: pot. Yeah, generally, exactly. I absolutely get that you want to find your own sound, which is obviously like the guitar player's dream is to be the, 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 the absolute pinnacle dream is to play one note and everyone knows who you are. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. like, it's like it's like the BB King thing. Everyone the knows BB King, King from one note, yeah. or like, right. or at least like one second. So even if you play a million notes in that one second, you know who it's going to be. Like you know Ingwe Mounds, team. You know who he is. Instantly, exactly. from you, you see like an excessive amount of notes and overly wide vibrato, but it sounds awesome. At least like, the know. fury, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's, it it literally is just like you want to convey yourself in the shortest amount of time possible, and everyone knows who you are, kind of thing. That that's that's like the ideal dream.
3: And I
0: like the fact that some guitarists also um, kind of were the influences on their sleeves because it becomes a gateway for other people to find out about those influences. Exactly. I when I was learning guitar, it, for me, the album that got me playing blues was From the Cradle, Eric Clapton. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, early 90s and... um for me, that is that is kind of Clapton's pinnacle blues-playing sound. But when you go back and, I mean, on that album, you've got things like Tore Down, which is a Freddie King song, yeah, and you yeah. go back and listen to the Freddie King play, and you go, oh, I can hear all that Clapton stuff. It's yeah, not Clapton yeah. stuff, it's Freddie King stuff. And you start realising how much these players that you enjoy listening yeah. to
2: are wearing those influences on the sleeves, but it still sounds yeah, like exactly. them. Yeah, and exactly. And they can sometimes open up doors to other players. Like you say, they you, like, you went back and listened to Freddie King, and, like, it, you're because every, like I said, every player is a melting pot of influences. And, like, that's right. You know, you see, like, take, you know, I know I know we mentioned him a lot, but take Bonamassa, for instance. He's like hugely influenced by people like like Clapton, BB King, mm-hmm. Jeff Beck, Steve Ray yeah. Vaughan, mm-hmm. lots of people. Yeah. Um, and Eric Johnson, people like that. And, Eric like, Johnson, you, and, like, sure. you kind yeah. of, and yeah, that's exactly. I actually found, um, I think it was Eric Johnson it was yeah I think I found Eric Johnson through Bottom Master because everyone's like oh yeah I can hear a lot of Eric Johnson style of space he's like oh really I'll go and have a listen It's like yeah and then I found Eric Johnson I freaking love Eric Johnson now so it's like (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's um, it can really lead you to other things, and um, that's why I'm always open about who I'm influenced by, and I, I understand why people are like kind of tentative about being because it's a bit of a I don't know, yeah, like 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 you say, they're trying to be their individual selves, which is totally fine. I totally get that as well. But also, you got you got to respect where you come from, man. It's, it's like a of
3: course, Absolutely. yeah, and and carry that mantle forward, like yeah. especially for somebody like you who's. Who, as Matt said, you will be on the Albert Hall stage one day. Aww. I've got no doubt, right? <laughs> I've got no doubt. But yeah. you know, it will be really um, that's that carrying that thing forward, right? As in the way that Bonamas is doing it for the people that influenced him, and Clapton did it for the way that, that people influenced him. It's it's kind of it's nice to have that legacy that kind of transcends, Absolutely. you know, different generations, so that it, you know you get these new guitarists being inspired by. You know what came before them, and then putting their own stamp on it and moving it, moving it back. Absolutely, forward, yeah, 100% which is, agree with which that. It's
0: yeah. cool, it's which cool, is isn't cool. it? Because I guess Bonhamaster always wanted to play at the Albert Hall because of his. He loved that Cream farewell album with Clapton and Cream playing at, at the Royal Albert Hall, yeah. and and then he's managed to make his dream happen. And it's almost like you know you want to be part of that ongoing kind of process of influence and achievement and influence and achievement. And it's yeah, cool, absolutely, man. I yeah. like
2: it. Yeah. And no, I 100% agree with that.
0: So there's this last year of lockdown, um, end of 2020, you released uh, Exile live in lockdown, uh, which was your yes. live album with Catfish. One of the things I wanted to to ask about is obviously the, the pandemic ruined everyone's plans for touring live mm. music. Um, was this live album born out of a need to be creative in lockdown or did you always have a live album on the cards?
2: we always wanted to do a live album and we've been talking about that for a while. And maybe that was going to be the next thing we released. Um, Cause uh, yeah, we, we play the songs on the albums differently live, like they're slower yeah. or they're faster or there's, you know, they'll, they'll tend to be structurally similar. Yeah. Um, but they will be obviously on the album, you take some liberties and try and find some interesting sounds and things. Do like so you try and find some weird things? So then when you do it live, you have to try and find a way around it with what you got. Cause um, yeah, I played like mandolin and things like that on some of the, yeah. The, the broken man stuff and I'm like, I'm not bringing, uh-huh. I'm not bringing a mantle into everything. I can barely play it anyway. Um, so things like that. So yeah you just find like a different way of doing it. So yeah, it was it was a way that we wanted it was something that we wanted to do was do a live album because we felt like the live versions of the songs had mm. something different. And we always prefer playing live to being in the studio anyway. So it was yeah definitely something we wanted to do. It wasn't it, this this layout wasn't exactly how we planned it being with it being in lockdown, basically, basically how the lock, how it came about was, uh, there was a festival out in Holland that we had played before. Uh, in fact, actually the previous year we had played it, uh, in, it was called blues Maastricht in Maastricht Holland. Um, and they had seen dad and I, Paul and I, uh, doing, uh, acoustic duo live streams, like from our home. And, uh, you know, we've been doing a few of them every now and again for different venues, different festivals, things like that. And, um, yeah, they really enjoyed it and they wanted us to do something similar for them but with a full band, like a live stream but with the full band. So, they helped us uh we found a venue and they were like, "Yep, yeah, we'll we'll monetize it so we can you can afford the venue, venue hire and we'll get a video crew in and things like that." We didn't make any money from it, but it was just, it was a fun thing to do um and uh yeah, it was it was really good to do and the, the yeah, I love that festival as well. So, yeah, I'll happily do that as well. And that was the first time we had played together in five months and we decided not to do any rehearsal, uh, purely because a, it wasn't a smart idea. Cause obviously you can't really be in you know, confined spaces with each other, but also because we wanted to get the first notes that we play on the live stream to be the first notes that we've played in five months, you know, yeah. so everyone kind of sees the, the energy that you get from that. I mean, we had, mm-hmm. we'd done like a yeah. little run through beforehand, to obviously test the gear and things like that, but that was like us performing properly for the first time in five yeah. months and it went really well like uh it was all like i hate to use the phrase but it was like you know it's like riding a bike you kind of remembered how it goes and things like that um yeah. and we obviously because it was a live stream and they were, they were filming it and things like that they had all the audio and the the, the video for it uh obviously you set up and recorded so we listened to it back and i was like yeah there is a a certain energy about this and a certain sound that it's, it's got going for it. And we really liked it. And we decided to turn it into a live album and a, a live DVD. Uh, like I said, cause you had all the audio footage there and it, yeah, again, it was, it came out of something that we had no idea what to expect because there was no one there except for the video crew. So there's no audience. Um, so doing a live album with no audience <laughs> was definitely not something <laughs> that I, I had <laughs> plan on doing maybe it might have happened you never know we'd be planning we we could plan to do a live album at this venue and then just no one shows up
1: and then no
3: one shows up but it's been it's been a while since that's happened i'm sure never know yeah absolutely
2: never know so it's like yeah Yeah. yeah, i'm gonna record this gonna be the next big thing just no one shows up um but yeah it it, like i said it it was just the energy of it that we had and i think it was a it's definitely a unique thing i don't think we would do uh another live album until it's a proper live album now yeah. I want, because yeah. I want to keep this one kind of a like unique kind of sounding thing yeah. for us. Um, I know obviously a lot of people come and kind of doing some similar thing now, but um, yeah, it, it's a, it's a big thing for us now and, and we're proud of how it came out and it was definitely a unexpected surprise at how it turned out. So yeah, it's uh yeah, very, very fun.
0: So let me get this right. So, so that live album, exile live in lockdown, that, that recording, each song is the first, of the first time you guys had played together uh, for five months,
2: uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, I, I will say there are a few <laughs> songs on there. Wow. That, um, astounding, um... <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I will. I will oh, say no, there was no, a, a few songs on there that were uh, not on the actual gig live stream uh, because yeah. uh, you know a gig is different to an album. You have got a different flow to, yeah. to that. Um, so we did record a. This is a full disclosure thing. Maybe it's ruining yeah. behind the scenes kind of. No, don't worry. Yeah, so we did record. Like I think it was like two of the songs weren't actually in the gig so we recorded them afterwards but we did do them in one take yeah uh or it was before or beforehand either or but yeah it was but yeah it was all done in one take because obviously you know we only had a certain amount of time so we didn't want to keep doing songs over and over again um so yeah it was it was all one take which for me is uh, a big thing because when I record, I take forever to record. Dude, oh, yeah, that's I'm, a really I that's am, a really
3: humble uh, kind of it's, it's volu- a, volunteering that well, information. That's the thing it's, <laughs>
2: I'm I'm definitely way more comfortable on stage than I am in the studio. Yeah. It's yeah. I, know, I just get like red light a fever all the time, and it's uh, and
3: I do I do as well, yeah. and I I see uh, me, Matt and I have recorded <clears throat> a few times and gigged um, Matt Oliver and I and gigged plenty of times and i totally get that as well like live it's it's like there's there's nothing it's just like tranquil peace and just i'm in the zone and uh, in the studio, I just don't know what it is. It's just that kind of pressure of, and I think you can practice your way out of that just by kind of getting familiar with it and trying to ignore yeah, it's it. It's
2: definitely experience thing. Yeah. I think it's definitely, it's a completely different environment for me. So everyone's really surprised when I say that, but it's like, it's not the same thing. Like yeah. it's, it's like a gig you're there. There's hundreds of people in front of you potentially. And it's like, you're for one, you're being paid to be there. Um, <laughs> and, um, and you know, if you, make a mis- if you make a mistake, you're never going to hear that again. You know, it's like, mm-hmm, that's that's, right. you know, you never have to listen to that again. It's like, that's it. That's done. Never going to hear it again. Um, unless you, for some reason, go and listen to yourself on YouTube and people's iPhone footage of you, but mm, that's a, something you can easily avoid. <laughs> yeah. whereas, in the studio, whereas in the studio, it's like, it's, you have to get it right. You, and you're, you're paying to be there. You, you're on a strict budget and someone's there, is employed to be there, you know, to kind of do this. And it's sort of, it's usually very comfortable as well. Usually the the sound engineers that we work with are lovely, and you know the spaces that we work in you know, are lovely things. But it's just like there's still like an underlying thing for me where it's like. I have to get this right. Cause otherwise if you record it, you're going to hear that mistake over and over yeah. and over and over again. I'm, you know, I'm like a lot of guitar players. I'm a very self-critical person when it comes to my own playing this. I think it's a natural thing for anyone in the um, creative industry. And it's like a, you know, you're always kind of critical of your own work more so than anyone else would be like, I'll, I'll, I'll be like, Oh, that was, kind of out of tune and uh, there's a bit of a, i didn't quite play that right there literally no one else is going to notice and it's like or maybe if they do they don't care and it's like so it's it's definitely a, a self-inflicted kind of thing
1: <laughs> but yeah
2: it's um but yeah no, I, I always whenever i'm recording i do tend to take multiple takes of like solos and things like that because i want to get it right i want to get the right kind of thing and you know i'm i'm not pre- i'm not like i'm not one to be like oh yeah i do my solos in one take and it's all live in the studio and things like that. I don't care. I just want it to sound good. You know, it's like, that's the thing for me. I just want it to sound the, you know as best as I can make it. And like, if that does happen to me meticulously doing it over and over again and kind of slowly losing my mind, then that's how I do it. <laughs> well, I guess <laughs> it's kind so of it. like
0: that. With, with if you, you do a live gig, obviously, if you do make a mistake or if it's not as good as the last gig, there's always another gig to go and kind of put that Absolutely. right. But if you're doing an album at some point, you have to commit yeah. it to tape and, and, and say that is it. So it is exactly. harder to let go yeah. of it,
2: isn't it? You, you can always say i'll have one more go at it you know exactly like there's always one more take and usually usually the annoying thing is that the best take was the second take that you did and now you're on like the 46th (laughs) take and it's like maybe i should have (laughs) stopped but that's exactly right and also with albums you know this is all going to be stuff that you haven't played live yet because obviously Mm. you don't want to you know yeah everyone hear your music and record all the footage first before you have it on your album that's right um my dad and i have a saying where it's like ideally you'd actually want to record the album at the end of the tour because yeah. then yeah. you've played it a whole bunch of times and you know how it goes and also you might find some new things that you find live that you want to put mm-hmm. into it yeah so ideally yeah. you want to do it at the end of the tour but obviously the idea of a tour is to promote the album so <laughs> <Yeah>. it's, it's <laughs> not it's not a very you know smart move <laughs> but it's like ideally <laughs> if you want to get the perfect sound you do it at the end of the tour but yeah. you know like like i said everyone's going to film it on their phones and things like that
0: Sorry to interrupt this super interesting conversation. However, if you've made it this far, maybe you should subscribe to the Guitar Smarts podcast. Go and do that now, and then let's get right back to it.
3: So how wedded are you um, to your, to, to replicating or reproducing the solos that you do in the studio when you're playing live? Cause there's a couple of different schools or approaches that people take, right? Sometimes it's, it's variations on the theme. Yeah. Sometimes you watch these guitarists and it's like, wow, that is note for note for the record. Um, how do how do you approach that on, in a live setting? I, I think it depends on the song for me.
2: And I actually like a lot of the time uh, writing the solo. Like, like I said, if I, if I'm in a studio, and recording the actual uh, solo, I'll tend to do if he takes, more to find what the solo would be like. Um, and I'll be like, oh, that sounds kind of cool here and different thing. And it will be like, oh, I, if I if I'm just improvising, I'll be like, oh, I kind of did that lick on a previous song, things like that. So if I'm yeah. kind of thinking about it a bit more, then I can be like, okay, this is m- m- like meticulously crafted in a way. And I always think of it like a, a lyric in a way. It's like a part of the song, and um, mm. you know, there's like like I said, it depends on the certain song. And uh, you know, sometimes when you're playing live, especially if you're in a jam situation, or if, you, if it's like a, a certain kind of energy, you will I will improvise a solo, and it'll be kind of more off the cuff kind of thing. But there are certain songs where I'm like, yeah, there there is like a, a certain song and a dance to it it's like like i said it's like a lyric and it's like you wouldn't well I mean, some people do but you wouldn't just improvise lyrics over this random section so it's like for me right. it, it, it does help for me it's like i like the the you, know, you listen to queen any mm-hmm. any of brian may's solos i mean he does vary them a little bit live but the basis of it is the same like you can sing the bohemian rhapsody guitar solo it's things like that i'm not trying to compare myself to brian mayor and <laughs> that's not what i'm trying to do but like, i i like his mentality about that but um so it's uh, it's interesting. Like I said, it depends on the song. But when, when it tends to be like a big epic song, I will try and actually craft a, a solo out of it and kind of think about it a bit more. When it's like a fast, crazy... Mental sounding song. I will probably yeah. probably all bets are off. Then. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's interesting. It kind of and like you know, I like both schools of it. You know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, me too. I think I think like you mentioned Bohemian Rhapsody. Though. that is an iconic guitar solo, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and yeah. I think those crafted melodies and, and and let's face it, some of those some of those crafted guitar solos it is like a second melody for the song it's not just yeah. a, mm. a moment of shredding um those are the, those are the solos that are probably remembered longer you know those kind of thematic approaches to, to adding something to the song I, I agree i think it's cool i think it's absolutely yeah
2: and like, again it's another guitarist stigma where it's like oh but i make up all my solos and things like, that. like <laughs> yeah that's cool for you that's cool that, that yeah. is cool like you know that definitely is cool and you know, like I say, I we'll do that for a lot, for a few of the songs, but it's like, yeah, it's also cool to, you know, lyrically think it out and kind of mel- think sure. about melody and things like that. I also come from a, um, a school of like rock and metal and things like that, where, yeah, if there is a solo, it will be very thought out. And it's, it's, a uh, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's, again, it's part of the song and, and like technically as well, like a lot of the stuff they're playing, you know, it's so technically proficient and it's like, that's not stuff that, well, you, maybe you could, if you're that good, but that's not stuff you would necessarily come up with on the cuff.
1: Yeah, um, exactly.
2: right. so you would you would kind of think about it a bit more, but yeah, it's just my way of thinking. about it. Like it's like I say, depends on the song.
0: You just don't want to go so far down the road that you become like Kirk Hammett, where you can't play your own guitar parts.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I like Kirk Hammett. I, I like too. his playing. I love, yeah, no, I, like,
0: I got to remember, he's one of the yeah. best gigs I ever went to. Oh, I right. do.
2: I would love to go see them. I'm like, you know what? I I respect Kirk Hammett's playing because it's like he's got again, he's another person who's like you know it's him.
1: Yeah, you know exactly.
2: And it's like and it's like it really fits for me. It really fits metallica sound like a lot of the time like i was listening to um uh what was the song it was one of the newer ones uh hardwired um and the solo in that is like yeah it's a kirk Hammett solo it's kind of like he pentatonic with some kind of weird whammy bar stuff going on at the end i'm just like yeah that's really cool i like that it fits yeah. the song really well i'm just like yeah I, I you know i like kirk
3: Hammett. i He's do great. i, I tell you, actually it be in terms of somebody that I think about <clears throat> when trying to craft and compose a solo, actually, it's, I often refer back to uh, this Metallica Black Album making of video yeah. that I watched growing up, right? Uh, have you seen, have you seen that seen one? I've seen that little bits uh, of it, yeah. I know exactly yeah. what you mean, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. so uh, I think A Year and a Half in the Life of Metallica, it was called, and there's this, this wonderful scene where they're in the studio with Bob Rock, and he's trying to nail the solo for, I think it must have been Unforgiven, mm-hmm. or it was one of his epic yeah, solos, yeah. right, from that album. And, you know, at the time, being a teenager, you just think, well, Kirk Hammett's God, right? You know, he just goes into a studio, it's one take, yeah. <laughs> he nails a solo, and then and walks out and uh, and carries on partying. But you see the kind of approach and the way in which the producer's pushing him to really refine this solo, and he has to go off and do his homework, and then he nails the take, and then you go, okay, well, that's how that solo was created. Yeah. It didn't mm. just happen by accident. Exactly, yeah. yeah. You know, exactly like you're talking about with your approach to how you play them in the studio and then live. You know he's he's really thought about the motifs in it and and how that solo yeah. needs to be crafted and therefore it has to become, uh, you know, played like that, you know, evermore because it's it's part of the tune. I think he is one of those players
2: where it's like you know he you can sing a lot of the solos like one Enter Sandman they're all like yeah. the same when they play live there, it's like it follows the same kind of structure but you you would feel it would feel weird if you just suddenly improvised over that section you know because that's that's the solo and it's like yeah it's particularly crafted. and it's, weird, it's interesting coming from him because you know, Metallica, when they first started out as a proper thrash band, kind of punky, more punky area kind of thing. Yeah, it definitely is like, just play as fast as you can and make as much noise as you can. And it's like, yeah, I love that. And then as they've kind of gone on, it's like, yeah, they're doing ballads and they're doing like the really big everything, they're doing proggy things. I'm like, yeah, then that's like where you want to kind of craft it a bit more. But when you're doing the the old stuff, it's like, yeah, just just stupid noises, whatever, have a wah pedal on everything. I don't know. (laughs)
3: He gets away with
2: it. He gets away with it. I don't mind. I don't mind. Speaking of wah pedal, I don't mind.
3: (laughs) I think it's got to be the most popular pedal in the world, right? It's got to be.
2: Because of Kirk Hammett. It's got to be. Kirk Hammett and Jimi Hendrix. (laughs) Jimi Hendrix and Kirk Hammett. Voodoo Voodoo Child. It's like Voodoo Child, and then everywhere the Kirk Hammett's are. Yeah.
3: (laughs) I love it I absolutely love it I remember one of the first tracks I recorded in a studio when I was like in one of my teenage bands and uh, uh, it it featured the wah pedal that I just bought and, uh, and somebody who was a much more experienced musician came up to me and he was like it's a great song I really like the way you've written it but word of advice um it, it kind of sounds like you've just bought a wild pedal <laughs> like, <laughs> It's like, like i, I kind of have and i wanted a song to feature it was like yeah it's sometimes less is yeah. More, uh, yeah dude i remember when i first
2: bought a wild pedal it was a fun experience it's like you know you do just want to play with it all the time it's just one of those effects it's just like yeah you do and yeah it is kind of because it's not just like a you stomp on it and then you it you leave it kind of thing. You it is a very much like a you know, you have to kind of dance with it, your foot on it exactly. and things like that. Right. So right. it definitely is like it, it, it does take some practice, you know. It's I didn't yeah. think about, yeah. but that does take some practice. Because I remember when I first started using it, all I would do was just tap my foot in the same rhythm all the time yeah. for everything I played, and I'm like, yeah, that's not how you do it. You want to kind of like ebb and flow with it, and you know that kind of thing. So there is definitely a song that does it. So find I, the find the little exactly, sweet spot. Yeah. 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 So I I'm yeah. totally right there with you on that, and no, I uh, feel no shame <laughs> in it
0: whatsoever.
3: It will never be off my board.
0: Were pedals induce a different type of guitar face as well. I don't. Know they do. That, I, don't the, don't the mouth.
3: It's, exactly. The mouth moves more than it moves when you're singing. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's, it's a thing. It's a thing. Uh, there's something that... Ve- I was just going to say, there's something very cool that, that that you do, Matt, which, you know, you're not the first person to do it, but you're definitely... Uh, I love the way that you are integrating it into your playing, is is... And we spoke about kind of uh, solo and guitar work that kind of mimics kind of lyrical kind of uh, intonations and stuff. But there's there's this great bit on uh, one of the tracks. I think it's in the verse of of so uh, your song with the Revenant Ones, where you are singing and playing that kind of uh, vocal harmonization on oh, the guitar yeah, yeah. at the same time. That's that's a that's a that's a really cool thing to yeah. uh, to be able to do. Not just in the studio, but then I, when I watched you do it live, I was just like, yeah, that's that's happening live as well. Oh, yeah. that's, that's yeah. taken some, some doing. It, it's right?
2: definitely a, um, a patting your head and rubbing your, rubbing your stomach kind of thing. <laughs> um, yes, yes. Like, but it, actually, it's weird because it's weird like when I'm playing and singing, because uh, I was a guitar player first before I became a singer, that's a huge thing to try and learn how to do is to sing and play at the same time. Mm, yeah. And even now, I'm like, I can't really do it intricately unless I'm doing the exact same thing that I'm singing or if it's just like a straight chord sequence or it's like some. Cause I remember oh. I wrote a song and I was like, yeah, the lyrics go like this, but then the guitar underneath it does like a little thing on like there. And when I actually came to try and doing it both at the same time, I was like, ah, oh, okay. Um, let me think about this a bit more. Yeah. Um, so it definitely is like a, um, paying head, rhyming your stomach kind of thing. Cause it's, uh, yeah, it, it's difficult. It really is. And it's taken, uh, however many years it's been since I've actually started singing. I think I was 15 when I started, uh, to actually, Kind of get to where I am now, and even like a, like I said, I don't, mm. I, I'm not like John Mayer who can play completely completely no, separate things. Still, yeah. I'm just like, yeah, I'd it, it, you know, do
0: don't what get do, Karen yeah.
2: started, Matt.
3: <laughs> well, as, as 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 Matt Long was talking, I was thinking, yeah, the kind of the the. Uh, Like pinnacle of this is like what Mayer does, where you just go, well, some of those inversions he's playing are ridiculous anyway, and then he's kind of singing over the top of it in a completely, (laughs) seemingly uh, unconnected way, and it all just works, and you just think, well, that's that's the ten thousand hours spent there. Oh yeah, he's he's definitely
2: a, a you know. He's definitely a super talented man, and things like that I'm not like mm. the the hugest fans of, of, mm. of a lot of his stuff, but like I, I love I like a lot of his stuff, but like um, mm. yeah, when I heard him do what song was it? Uh, it's like when I heard him do Neon. I think there's mm. a song Neon. Yeah. Like that's a ridiculously hard riff to play even without singing, and then he's singing on top of it, and I was like, that's really impressive. So so whatever my thoughts about him are, that is he is a hugely impressive musician. So yeah, he's just he's great. Exactly. Yeah, he really.
0: Mm. Is. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's sickening, really. Yeah, it's it? annoying how good that is. You know,
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's like, damn. You. Yeah, well, I, feel the, <laughs> I feel the same way about Bonamassa yeah, yeah. as well. You know, I mean, that man does just not drop a note uh, yeah, at all yeah. live. He's just, he's just, he's just flawless in his in his in his yeah. playing. Yeah, um, I was
0: listening to Joe Bonamassa talk on the Corey Wong um, Wong Notes podcast recently. I don't know if you've all right, yeah. heard that interview. And uh, one of the things that um, I really like about Joe Bonamassa is how he's. He he treats it, it's still a creative and um, artistic endeavour for him, but he also understands the business side of it so well. Oh, absolutely. And, and his story over the last kind of 10, 12 years of how him and his... I say his manager, but it's his business partner, really, isn't it? They, business you know, partner,
2: yeah. yeah. They
0: they own everything, don't they? They own their own publishing. They have the. They don't have a record deal. They own their own. They're effectively their own label. They don't have promoters. They promote their own gigs. Yeah. He's taken hold of everything, and they do these long tours, and they work hard as everybody else. But the fact that they've owned, they've decided to own everything as a business means that he's got the longevity of a career he's got the yeah. choice
2: to do what he wants is that something you see yourself doing as well i'm definitely i'm definitely not mentally capable of like doing that <laughs> certainly by myself um yeah. you know like i I'm, I'm terrible with things like social media and generally just keeping up with messages and things like that i just show up and play man you know that's what i do okay. and like i love meeting people after the show and networking like that yeah. and um You know, that's one of the most important parts of the show for me is actually meeting people. Of course. You know, uh, I I, I always take the time to try and, you know, go out by the merch stand and, uh, you know, say hi to people as much as I can. Obviously, when I was allowed to shake someone's hand, it wasn't illegal. I would shake their hand or give them a hug. (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, that's that for me is because I've been on both sides of it um, is that is when you decide that you're a fan or uh, Mm. like a true fan. It's like when you're, when you get to meet them and you get that first impression and that's when also, but that's when they'll more likely buy a CD when you're actually there and you can say hi. um, And then they can take that home with them and listen to it more and just generally get more enraptured in what you're doing. Um, So I always say that's the most important part of the show. Not the actual playing itself is actually going out and meeting people. um, Yeah. As best you can. Obviously with some people like, you know, when they're particularly Successful, like you know, and, and they've got like many hundreds of thousands of people in an arena. That's a bit more of a that's going to be a lot harder because obviously you can't really do that for every single person necessarily. Um, well, you could, but you'd be there forever. Um, so yeah, <laughs> be like Tom Cruise, exactly. you to <laughs> yeah, show, like exactly.
3: three hours in yeah, advance, exactly. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Just work the red card. Yeah, so that's why yeah. you see people doing like the meet and greets and things like that. So you do at least get a chance to do that a little bit. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, so yeah, it's definitely an important aspect to that for me. And I'm going to try and not to lose that at any point. And like, even, even if it is like, yeah, obviously this is hypothetical. If I manage to make it to huge arena gigs, things like that, I will try and do like a meet and greet thing uh, beforehand or afterwards and something like that as best I can. Uh, Cause I I always want to meet people at shows and just kind of like, cause they've come to see you. And like they paid to see you. And I was like, yeah, that's really cool. So thank you. And I'm, I want to try and show my appreciation for that. And um, yeah, and, and with people like Joe, it's... Uh, yeah, that's a huge thing nowadays is he owns everything. You know, that Ooh. is a huge deal because nowadays it's like everything's like first thing a, a label want you to do is obviously put everything on to streaming services things like that which yeah. is the way of the world nowadays that's just the way it is uh, as much as i'm not a fan of it that is just how it is um and yeah they'll make all the money from that even if it is like pence like less like court, like like percentage of pence um things like that so yeah there's a huge and yeah man, labels and stuff in general they definitely help with your with getting you out there but they are so they yeah they take percentages of a lot of things, mm. you know. It's a business. It's a, it's a business. It's a, business it's a well. product. You are a product to them. And like, that's, again, it's a business and that's how it is. That's that's fair enough. Because at the end of the day, you are trying to sell something. And it is a job at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, they're, they're always... And they're not always like that, but yeah, there there is a lot of like that where it is they're not not really invested in you. They're invested in how much you can make for them and things like that. Mm. Because I remember we did a, a a little search recently to try and help with some to help get some gigs and get some PR. Uh, with uh, I think it was with the Revenant ones actually. We we're trying to get a you know just like a small. Startup, like, label uh, kind of thing going independent label uh, with someone. And I'm not going to mention any names or anything like that, but um, there was one who, yeah, they're really interested in the band. uh, They're blowing a lot of smoke up our asses. And um, yeah, they said uh, they didn't mention any like fees or percentages and things like that until they send us the contract, which is always when they get you. Cause they're like, Oh, they, they butt you up pretty nicely. And then you think, Oh, they're so nice. Yeah. They're so nice. I'll go. Yeah.
3: They'll do right by, by us. us. Yeah. They, they were nice to us. <laughs> of course. They'll be not, you know, like, yeah,
2: yeah. And then it was like, they have a, a, a monthly fee, which is very strange. Uh, mm. Usually it's like a percentage of whatever they, ever they get you. And no matter if they get you any gigs or not, you have to give them that. And they also own the rights to any performance or like, like a release that you do, even if it's not music related. Mm. I was like, huh, what? <laughs> okay. So if I went out and did like a amateur dramatics theater show playing Romeo right. and Juliet, I'm like, okay, you're going to get a cut of that. Are you? <laughs> um, and yeah, it was, there's a whole bunch of other things. And it was basically, they were using us to make money so they could start up their business a bit more. right? So they could fund mm. their business to get the bigger bands in and things like that. And it's like, yeah. it's, it's so easy for, again, as a business you know as a a purely business idea i get what they're doing and like monetary wise yeah that is a way of doing it it's not the most ethical way of doing it but it's a way of doing it and unfortunately for a lot of young artists who are trying to find things like that that is quite common because it's uh like i say it's a way of them getting to the bigger bands and like they fund their company to kind of big up their company a lot more so a lot of times young bands and new bands they kind of get a, a little bit of a, you know, they get, they get a little bit trapped and things like that and then they can't get out because yeah. they're contractually bound to that and then it's like, there's a whole other thing. So you've really got to be careful yeah. with things like that and I, it was one of the things I was lucky enough to learn in college and they had a lesson on it was to always read the contract or get a lawyer to read the contract things like that. And it was something that was ingrained to me, no matter what it is, especially if it was, if it's relating to your career, get someone to look at it. And, or, you know, if if you know it best yourself, give it like five runs through, give it, read it, read every single word on that piece of paper. And it's, um, yeah. And unfortunately a lot of people are like, oh, but we're going to get signed. And like, that's, that's how you make it. I'm like, "Mm, it's, it's it's more than that it's you're you're dedicating yourself to someone and they, that can be good but it can also be very detrimental a lot of the time you just got to be careful like I, that's one of the things just i would say to young advice. bands is you got to be careful advice. with that kind of thing so just always read the contracts
3: and do you think it's do you think it's suitable or even entertainable for these uh, young bands in that position to, uh, for want of a better word, get their own legal advice and make sure that they can try and negotiate those contracts. Or is it just best to find a label that is willing to meet you on equal terms without having to get into the shenanigans of, of, of contract negotiations?
2: There is always going to have to be some compromise with things like that. Like that. You know, mm. you are going to have to mm. give up some percentages of things because otherwise they're not going to make any money and that, you know, they have to get something out of it. So there is going to have to be a certain amount of, compromise that you get and unless you're someone like Joe when you're everything and you be really successful with that so yeah there definitely is i you know legal legal advice for that kind of thing is always a good idea or even not necessarily even like professional legal advice just get some opinions on it you know just get some outside opinions on it from people who have been through that kind of stuff ask a friend who's been through a similar thing and they're just like yeah okay mm-hmm. yeah and it can't hurt no. um so just be careful with those kind of things and yeah like i say you're definitely going to want to be open to compromise with those kind of things because they need to get something out of it. And also you need to get something out of it as well. Like you need to understand what they're going to give you, like what are they going to do for you and prove how the, how
3: they're going to do that. Absolutely. Cause it's your chosen profession, right? It's what you've exactly. chosen to do yeah. to dedicate yourself to and your uh, energies. And uh, you know, it's as much as creative people you know, don't want to consider themselves a business and a commodity. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's your investment. It is. Yeah. You've invested your your time, your energy, your passions into developing your art, and that should come with a price and a value that others recognise and appreciate. And of course, that will change over time, and hopefully, continue to increase for anybody that's kind of on that journey. Absolutely. But, yeah. um Also, recognising, you know, I think musicians sometimes get a short shrift in in, the, in this world. You know, I've, been, I've started up with plenty of bands where they're like, "Yeah, you can come and have a gig." Um, we won't pay you like for the yeah. first gig or the first couple of yeah. gigs, but you'll you'll get a following, and you know, we'll, maybe if things go well, we'll get you back. And you kind of go, Well, yeah, would you do that if it was like uh, another profession? I'm, I'm not yeah, sure. The good old yeah.
2: exposure bucks, you know, a, <laughs>
3: a bane of my- I
2: actually had someone, um, you know, I totally get it, like, because obviously, after a year, no one's got any money, right. But yeah, I did have someone kind of ask me, it's like, Can you can you do this gig? I don't think I can pay you, but it'll be good fun. And I'm just like and I like the guy. I do like the guy, mm. but I'm like, I've not had any work for a year. I can't I can't afford to do this for free. I really can't. So you know and, and musicians have already been underpaid for a lot of the stuff that they're doing yeah. um like, <laughs> yeah. i know i'm biased but even so like damn
1: exactly <laughs>
2: uh, yeah no, exactly you wouldn't you wouldn't ask that of anybody exactly else, but right? at yeah. the end of the day um, it like um, yeah. you don't want to think of it as a job it is a job you know this is like for me this is how i make my living like this is this is what i do and like you know you have to make something out of it but the whole contract thing it's like going for any job you know you think like you go up to them and it's like i will do this this and this for this many hours a week and you will pay me this and give me this yeah. and give me benefits to this and things like that you get something back from it but you have to give up your time and obviously given the efforts and things like that. So yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely like, it's a, it's a job at the end of the day. Like as much as you don't want it, as much as you don't want it to be, if you want to, if you want to do it for a career, it is, it is a career, you know, you have to kind of think about it a little bit more. And
0: I always want to say kind of like, uh, you know, you got to one of these bars or clubs and who say, well, you can do the gig for exposure. I always say, Next time you've got maybe a plumbing problem or something, call a plumber up and say, you know, I don't want to pay you for this plumbing problem, but it's good exposure exposure for you. Maybe you'll get more clients if you come and do fix my toilets for nothing, but I'll tell them all about how great you fix
2: a toilet. It doesn't work that way, does it? yeah, it's like, oh, my rent costs 500 exposures. Oh, oh this is going to be great
1: for me. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but it totally is. I, I, remember, I, remember, I remember we did a gig. Uh, it was actually with a, diff- a different band, uh, I mean, called the Rough House Trio, which is like a, a it, it's a pub band, and we kind of mm-hmm. play, play blues covers, have some fun, make some money. Um, cool. And it's with yeah. some friends. And we did this gig where it was a, it was a, it was a, a function, essentially. And I'm not a function musician. I'm definitely not. That's not my area of expertise. Um, and I was always said, if you're doing function stuff, you need to make sure you're getting money for it. And I was like, okay, well, this is a big event. We'll probably be getting paid a fair amount. Mm. Uh, we weren't. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was like a new year's thing as well. Or it was like a Christmas party, something like that. It was a big event thing so big money big, big money, money uh, and back. it was in like it was in like a tp like a really expensive looking tp and it was like proper f- posh looking It was
3: really good catering so they have spent 10 they grand before you have even kind of, kind of easily, it easily right? easily would have spent
2: <laughs> tens of thousands of pounds on this thing i was like yeah this yeah. is cool great yeah. yeah we're getting like 300 quid per person and there's three people in the band i <laughs> it's like uh yeah. okay it was just down it was just down the road for me so i didn't have to travel a huge far away so i was like eh fine it's a gig and you know 100 quid is 100 quid for for like a hour set or how long it was that they said it was. Um, we got there, we did the gig. It was the worst gig I've ever done in my life. No one was paying attention. Oh. They were all just sat there to have a drink and they were like, it was, it was just awful for me. And it was one of those ones where you finish a song and no one clapped and they're oh, just man. so disheartening yeah, I know we're not that. like the main focus there but at least like someone might give us like a little pity like oh, yeah, yeah, that's, oh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, no one absolutely no one no one cared and the only time that people paid attention to us was when they were shouting songs for us to play and like oh god it was like it yeah. was like unironically it was like play Wonderwall and play Freebird and I'm just like no.
3: why? <laughs> why
2: why is this <laughs> happening <laughs> to me? Uh, yeah and like I said I'm not a function musician I can't just pull songs out my ass like that I'm just like yeah that's no, not what
0: exactly I do. yeah
2: um <laughs> So we finished up we finished up the hour and this was like i think we started at like nine so we finished we was we were like thank you very much good night at ten and then the management came over and was like no no you're supposed to be playing until one in the morning i'm like excuse me oh, man. <laughs> what, what? <laughs> <laughs> first of all no one ever does a gig for that long <laughs> unless exactly. they've been paid many thousands right. of pounds and two you're paying right. us a hundred quid and three this is one of the worst gigs i've ever done in my life and i'm not a function musician yeah. so I, and yeah. I said to him, I was actually, I was actually saying this to him. was like, "If you want us to pay for that, play for that long, you need to pay us for how long you want that to pay for." I was like, "No, you know, Absolutely. if you don't do that, you're not getting any money." I'm like, and then when I, and then when he said that, he just walked off. I was like, "I'm not done. Why are not I finished having a conversation here." And I was like, "Well," and I think there was some kind of like legal thing, like. We had signed a contract, being like, "Yeah, okay, we'll do it," kind of thing, and I was like, mm. "Well, we have to do it now." That's terrible. Yeah, and it was-
3: That's one of the worst gig stories I've ever heard. I know, right? <laughs> Man, that went from yeah, bad it to was,
2: worse I was quickly. Like, okay, well, I'll keep doing this really bad gig for another three hours, and just like, uh I, I, wow. and we had to basically play the same songs again because we would rehearsed an hour-long right. set, and uh, that was how we—that yeah. was what we were asked to do. And I was like, just don't do that to people, you know? Yeah. Just, wow. it, that,
0: it's, that man asked for free bird. Let's give him free bird for 40 that, I'll give him
2: free bird. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't even know the words. He would literally be like, free bird, free, free, free bird. Just, yeah. <laughs> See if you like Wonderwall after three yeah, hours. Exactly. You said the oh, one.
2: You didn't say it had to be good. Oh, dude, I remember. I remember someone told me a story about how a band they kept getting heckled and not heckled, but like they they kept getting someone at every gig going play Freebird and just like yeah okay. One day they learnt it <laughs> all of it, all ten minutes of it, or how yeah. long the extended version is, like things like that. They learned all of it, and then when the next time someone said play Freebird, it's like okay. They did it, and they like a, a, an original band. They were playing all their own stuff, and then all of a sudden, oh, I ran, I and then it was like a completely different genre so I think it was like metal. Um, huh. And I was like, "Play, play, freebird." And then all of a sudden, they just played this like southern rock country song. All fifteen minutes of it, and I was like, for the first like couple of minutes, I was like, "Oh, that's really cool." They're actually doing the thing that the guy just shouted at them in a drunk stupor. You know, it's like, oh, really cool. Of <laughs> ten minutes, six 10 minutes, minutes later, late, like, oh, okay, yeah. and, and then, everyone, and then the band at the end of it was like, "Are you done?"
1: Yeah, you that again?
3: <laughs> anyone else got
2: a smart comment they want to make? Genius! <laughs> that's total genius. That is, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember which band it was, unfortunately. And yeah, but if, if I ever remember, I have to give them a shout out. But yeah, oh man, it was so good. There's a lesson learned, isn't it? You've what kind of you ask for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lesson learned. Yeah, just don't, just don't do that. Just don't, don't go to a gig and just be like, "I'll oh, play this song," unless it's like a gig where that's specifically said. You know, because it's like, yeah, musicians. Like, you know, we love playing, but we've rehearsed a set. We have a song. We have these songs, that kind of thing. If you shout out one of my own songs, then yeah, okay, maybe I'll chuck it in. Yeah. But like, if you, if you come up to a Catfish show and... Ask for a Britney Spears song. It's just never going to happen. So I don't know what you're expecting. I've I've seen people. I've been at a gig and people have just been shouting at the musician to play these kind of songs. It's like just listen to what he's doing. He's fantastic. Listen to him play his own thing. That's what he wants to do. Absolutely. You know. So I'm I'm always Absolutely. like you know I obviously get it. As people been drinking things like that and and also it's a funny. It's like a meme now to be like f- play Freebird at a gig or Wonder Woman. <laughs> yeah, like. it is. Like yeah, that's funny and all. But can you like listen to his own stuff because his own stuff is really cool and all their own stuff and just yeah. I always want to, be like, ah, that was funny the first time you did it, but shut up now. <laughs> kind of thing when, exactly, when, when, exactly. when people when people are doing it to other people, and like when it, when it, when people are shouting at me, I'm just like, ah, okay. And then just move off, and just yeah, leave it. But yeah, yeah, it's um, you know, I know it's a joke, and it's, it's, it's that's what it is. It's totally fine. But when it's like you sh- that's the only thing you're shouting for the whole gig, I'm like, okay.
3: See this, this, this is where as 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 gigging musicians, we're also expected to be uber polite and gracious yeah. and courteous, and and you certainly come across absolutely. I will never eloqu- shout at someone. Eloqu- eloquent. And well mannered, right? But that's the moment where you want to be a stand-up comedian, right? Like Jimmy Carr when he gets a comeback man. Right? Oh, oh yeah. You better be ready because it's <laughs> you're about to get a strip torn off you. But, but it's not it's not the done thing for us yeah. to do. I will never like right? and, you know verbally attack
2: someone for doing that. I'm not like that at all, and it's funny. But yeah. when it's like they're actually getting angry at the fact that I'm not playing the song, I'm like, well, okay, I can't focus on the gig now. And yeah, I've, I've actually had people like angry at me for not doing. That kind of thing during shows where it specifically said I'm an, we're an originals band and things like that. And it's like, yeah, okay. now this is this is a bit more of a problem now. And then pe- luckily, luckily people in the audience are like me, and they kind of go over to him and it's like, okay, you need to stop now. It's really off-putting, not just for the musicians, but the people in the audience. And it's like, yeah, okay. And then yeah, sometimes people just don't get the message. That's what it is.
3: But look, June 31st is coming around, right? And you are gonna be a busy man again. And uh people need to come out and listen to the stuff that you're doing it and and, and Absolutely, I'm sure that when they hear it, there will be no heckling or aggressive of oh, Britney well. Spears or Wonder in sight. So um, look, I mean I you must have been hard, on yeah. a roller coaster for this. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless we show exactly, up just exactly. to do it to, to, to reference. There,
2: there, this. Is, a, there, is, a, there is a venue that we play at where someone actually does ask every time we're there, it is the running gag where it's like they come along and it's like yeah. they ask for a Britney Spears song. And like it's with the it's with the Reverend ones as well, so it's a the heavy stuff. And there is a little part of me that does do want to play like a really metal version of Toxic. <laughs>
1: Because that's a because oh, that's, no, be, like, that that's a great song.
2: I was like, that could be really song. cool. That could be really cool. But I don't want to go Honestly. down that road because then everyone's going to keep doing it. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's what you've been known for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
0: just a reminder to check us out on our social media pages that's facebook.com forward slash guitar smarts and on instagram you can find us at guitar underscore smarts come and say hello come and give us some comments some listener questions we love to interact with our audience and remember also to go and check out matt long and his band catfish at their website catfishbluesband.co.uk we can't thank him enough for doing this interview and let's get back to it <laughs>
3: So uh, this roller coaster of the last kind of lockdown and things, are you are you feeling in a positive place now? I mean, can you see that light at the end of the tunnel for getting back out there and getting gigging live again? Does it does it, it begin to feel real that that's that's going to be you know back to some sort of normal? Or? Well, it definitely is.
2: Like we're getting stuff booked in all the time, which is great. However, I'm one of the people who are still like not counting their chickens before they've hatched, kind of thing, because we are still amongst the the pandemic still. And whilst I'm happy we got the the vaccine and things like that, I'm still like, even then, we have to be really, really careful with how we go about opening up again. And yeah, yeah, so I'm I'm definitely booking in things all the time. In fact, we've had to cram 18 months worth of gigs into six months. So it's like, because obviously everything's kind of been (laughs) rescheduled. So it's going to be a very busy time. But at the same time, we need to do it gradually. We need to do it according to safety and just, you know, be careful with that. And yeah, I'm I'm hopeful that it's all going to go ahead as, as it opens up again. But I also have a feeling that this kind of thing happened before, or we opened up, and then a couple months later, the numbers kind of rose up again, and we had to come back in. So, like I said, whatever happens, happens. I I will say all our gigs are going ahead, COVID permitting. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Absolutely. Because so, obviously I don't want to be like, oh yeah, this definitely happening. Uh, And then Hmm. when we get to August, I'm like, okay, we're back in another lockdown. If hypothetically, beyond that kind of thing. So yeah, then all that stuff gets cancelled. So I will always say COVID permitting, these kicks will be happening.
3: That's a really healthy mindset. That's a really healthy mindset, especially for somebody that's dedicated their life to this, right? Because otherwise your own emotions kind of will just, play with you and you won't be able to kind of focus and keep some kind of stability because you're constantly jumping from one reality to the next. Absolutely. It's it's on, it's off, it's on, it's off. At the the end of the day,
2: people's health is the most important thing. And I don't want to be the one to be the reason why people catch this thing. And, you know, I will, I I will happily gig again because obviously again, it's a job. I haven't had any work for a year, so I will need to get out there again, but I'll do so in a cautious and, you know, attentive manner. And, you know, maybe for the first Few months, I might not be able to shake people's hands or give them hugs and things like that. Um, or if I do, don't be offended if I slather myself in sanitizer afterwards, things like that.
1: Um, <laughs>
2: just because it's the way of the world, you know, that's how it is. And um, yeah. yeah, so it definitely, I don't think there's gonna we're going to return back to quote unquote normal after this. I think everyone's going to have a different mentality of it. I think at least a majority of us are going to have a different mentality about it. I think a lot of people are going to be like, okay, we need to be more careful with this kind of thing going forward. Otherwise it could happen again. And I think people are going to be respectful of people's personal space, not be offended again. Like I say, if after they have shaken their hand, or some sanitizer or anything. And also, yeah, just generally be a bit more aware of their surroundings and kind of that. And then there's also going to be a bunch of people who've been locked inside for a year and a half and like, yeah, let's go out and party like we used to. <laughs> they're going to go
3: mental. <laughs> which, <laughs> I,
2: which I get, I get what you know they're doing, but you know, I do understand that side of it as well. But at the same time, yeah, health is, you know, public health is the most important thing with regards to coming back out with this and gigging again. So yeah, maybe the first few gigs, there are going to be limited capacity things. There are going to be restrictions in place. There are going to be like, you have to sanitize on the way in, one way systems, Glass screens, all that kind of stuff. So it is going to be a gradual build-up back into what we had as normal. But even then, I think right. that's even going to be slightly changed from now on. We're going to be a bit more careful, which I think is a good thing. You know, it's um, it's a learning experience at the end of the day. All this,
3: and and it's the way it's it's the way we're going to make it sustainable, so that we're not constantly Absolutely. in lockdown, out of lockdown. So I think that's a really healthy kind of philosophy and approach approach to have to it because you know, I think this is going to be with us for a while in one one form or another. And we don't want to be constantly, especially for somebody in, in your profession, to be, uh, and we've had a lot of pro musicians on the, on the show of late who, like yourself, have been uh, not able to gig and, um, you know, have had to adapt their kind of businesses in this situation. And, you know, the last thing that they want, as you've said as well, is to try to, to, to kind of, Rush out there and make everything as it was, but then, you know, find ourselves back in the same yeah, situation exactly, that, yeah. that we've had to go through.
2: Like, so. there's been people who have, um, rebelled against it and kind of like had people around and they've done gigs in their own back garden and invite people along. I'm just like, that's it's wishful thinking that that's going to be a good thing mm-hmm. and everyone's going to be okay with that. You know, at the end of the day, everyone's in the same boat and if. Half of us are going. We need to be careful, and the other half of us is we need to not be stuck inside. We're going to keep going around in circles. We have to be one or the other, and obviously the healthier way is you know we have to stay inside until all this is over. And yeah, it's it's tricky. Obviously, there's, none of this has happened before for most of the people alive today, and I'm just like, yeah, this is obviously a scary situation Uh, and obviously you know people are going to be reacting negatively to this and it's going to really really affect their lives both like mentally physically and work-wise it's yeah it's a huge thing Uh, you know the way to get around a huge thing is by making a huge deal out of it you you know it's you got to be careful with it i am hopeful that things are going to be open again i have full faith in the vaccine and I think it's going to get better soon. I think we just need to be careful about it. Agree completely.
3: That's very, very, very mature, very sensible outlook. Absolutely. I uh, We've gone all really serious yeah, exactly. there, but I think yeah. that was really important. I, I'm really conscious of how generous you've been with your time today, but I, I I don't want to let you go before we've nerded out. Let's oh, do so, it, Let's do it, we Can, we, can yeah. we keep you for a little bit longer? Honestly, man, no, don't worry about it. Yeah, I I, I I got as long as you need.
2: I can nerd out all day.
3: So there is a very beautiful selection of guitars behind you, my mm-hmm. friend, and uh, it would be remiss of me to, to not point out that. Like, is that a Bonamassa, uh, Les Paul, it, there, or is it? it, is it is one you've modded to look no, like it, it is, is it is, huh? it is
2: <laughs> uh, um, a Bonamassa Les Paul studio um, and it's a very beaten up one. I, 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 I know obviously people won't be able to see this but I'll, I'll grab it for you guys just for you guys
3: yeah please we can see it uh, it looks great yeah so it's um
2: I guess 2011 was when I got this. When they, when they, when they uh-huh. first came out, I was like, I want one of these. I didn't yeah. even play it. I saw it online. <laughs> and I was like, I've been looking for a Les Paul. I was like, oh, I want to get a Les Paul. Yeah. And, you know, the usual kind of thing. And then I saw that Joe was releasing a signature version of his full fat Gibson Les Paul. Yeah. But as a studio version, yeah. like a more affordable version. And yeah, this is this is the one here. And as he, as you guys can see, it's wow. extremely beaten up. And... Uh, I love that. That's all your own way all, that you've put on it's that. It's all me. Which wow. is why... I, which that is why is so it's all cool. like green and kind of gross looking. But um <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing um, though. That's Yeah, this, really this cool. is uh yeah. ten years worth of uh me playing it. And this was my wow. main guitar for a long time as well. This no matter what gig I did, Fantastic. this would be uh with me in some capacity. And it still is, actually, in a way. In like you know, it may not be the main guitar that i play anymore, but it's certainly like the backup to the main, or sometimes I was just like, Yeah, I want to play this guitar again for the gig. Mm. Um Absolutely. And yeah, it's Served me very well. It's it's a very bare bones Les Paul, and um, I love it a lot. And uh, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It, it's it's a studio, so it's not like the full fat thing. Um, cool so guitar. I I've always wanted to kind of get maybe That's a, a cool guitar. yeah, and it's gold. You know, it's gold. Yeah. It's gold. Uh,
3: uh, honestly. You know? Yeah. I'm so hankering. I'm so uh, uh, hankering for a gold top right now. Absolutely. I think Bonamassa has one. It's uh, uh, the one that he's called the Cajun, which is one the that's Cajun. got all that green patina yeah, on it. Yeah, like yeah, yours yeah. as well. Yeah. No, it uh, yeah, so kind of reminds me of that. It's, it's seen some use. Seen oh, it definitely has. And it's, uh, it's, it's an underrated color that
2: people aren't using as much nowadays for like, you know, it's, it's like, you do see gold top less Pauls, but it's like, you don't see enough of them, you know? Yeah. Oh, no, it's, it's, such a pretty, it's just such a pretty like guitar pretty colour and just yeah I love it and I wouldn't trade this for the world and no one's going to want this anyway apart from me because it's so gross DNA all over exactly but yeah so I was playing this so much uh as my main guitar that uh it just mm-hmm. kept like wearing out and breaking and uh I had to keep replacing the bridge cuz it was just wearing down cuz where my palm would be I just it just like the 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 tunematic the, the tunematic pegs they they were just yeah, yeah. flat cuz I was just playing I was just chugging on it so much and I was like I need to probably get another guitar so at least this can have a more, bit more longevity <laughs> and uh that's when I got the the PRS to my right here which is yeah, that has been my main guitar for a good couple of years now. I think it's been three and a bit years since I got it. And it's been, again, now that one has been at every gig.
3: I've seen you yeah. play that a lot on some of the YouTube videos and stuff. I was going to ask you about that one. That is, that's your number one that is, now.
2: there's it, my joint it? number one with yeah. this one, I will say. Because um, uh, I'd feel bad if I didn't call this one a number one after calling it number one. For years. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, the PRS especially is just... Uh, it's essentially a fifty nine, fifty eight Les Paul, uh, mm-hmm. but modern kind of thing. Like it's got the same kind of color uh, characteristics, a bit the same type of pickups that you might find mm. in that kind of guitar but like modern soundings. obviously they're not like super low output so they're enough output kind of thing and then obviously got all the shape of it and uh, it's just it's just pretty you know? yeah it
0: reminds yeah. me of a guitar that um, PRS did a like I think it was a Bernie Marsden yes that Stevie Nimmo was playing quite a yeah. lot I remember I've had yeah. people
2: come up to me and say is this a Bernie Marsden signature really? it's, like, it's, it's not um, but I do, I do totally get where they're coming from because it it's a similar looking thing that is this. beautiful Yeah, now this is. I was I was made up the day I got this, and it's a second hand one as well. So it wasn't like super expensive. Fantastic. So so this is like. 2007 was when this guitar was made and I got it about four years ago. So it would have been about about, about about 2017, I think was when I got it. So it would have been 10 years old by the time I got it. I love it so
3: much. Did you have in your mind, you, you were going for a PRS when you, when you went out to buy something or you, you know, how did you audition these guitars that you wanted? I
2: I was looking for a replacement for the Les Paul, uh, or at least like a, a second kind of Les Paul. And I'm like, I don't know. I could have gotten another Les Paul and I will probably get another Les Paul at some point. They're they're fantastic guitars, but I don't know. I just wanted to try some of the things that I hadn't really tried before. And, um, all the PRS guitars that I had tried were fantastic, but they never had the right neck shape for me. They're always quite thin, you know, catered more towards modern shreddy players. And uh, yeah, I liked them. Don't get me wrong, I did like them. But yeah, I was, I was looking for one with the right neck shape. And then my friend was selling this. I Again, I hadn't really played it. I went up to go and play it before I bought it, obviously. Um, it wasn't like that one where I just bought it out of pure will.
3: Um, yeah. Yeah. and, uh,
2: and, I went all the way to, where did I go? Uh, it was near Milton Keynes somewhere. Can't remember the name. Um, so a fair old trek from where I am now, and uh, yeah, got the train. It took me like the whole day to get there. <laughs> and it's just um, and yeah, I remember sitting down. We went to a guitar shop there. He was he's he a good mate of mine. He was in a band. He is still in the band. Uh, oh, what's his name? Oh, it's going to bug me. Sam Varlo. Sam Varlo. That was his name. Uh, who used to be in a band called Devlin Blue, and now he's doing his own solo stuff, which is awesome. And yeah, he was selling this. So I went up there, we went to a guitar shop, plugged it in. Yeah, it was a very much like an instant, like, yeah, I love this guitar. This is, this is one of my, That's great. it's like, um, you don't really get a huge amount of times where it's like, you know, a guitar is meant to be with you. This was one of them. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, yeah, this is, this is a, it's like a soulmate
1: guitar.
0: It like that Wayne's world moment where you put all the banknotes out of your pocket. and t-
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> It literally was. It was, like, uh, it was great. Um, and then I remember turning around to Sam in the store and the, the guy who owns the shop was there as well. And I was plugging into a little um, uh, Mesa Boogie Mark 25, a tiny, a tiny little head. Mm-hmm. It was a great amp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I turned around and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll take this. This is This is mine now. And the guitar and the guitar shop guy was like oh great cool and he started packaging up the amp for me as as if as <laughs> if i was i was testing out the amp and trying to buy that and i was like oh uh, oh no 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 i'm, no, I'm sorry. so sorry i'm so sorry <laughs> and i was like yeah because he didn't really know i was there to try out this guitar and i was like yeah oh man i'm yeah. so sorry i went i went and bought along i felt bad and i went and bought like a, i think i bought a pedal whilst i was there i was like you know i feel bad not buying anything whilst i've been here so spent even more money than i was spending that day. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, no. This was a. This is. Uh, a purchase that I'd never regret. Um, again, I'm never going to get rid of this. I don't ever think for getting rid of guitars or selling guitars. Unfortunately, I'm more of a guitar hoarder than a guitar collector. Unfortunately, mm. <laughs> like yeah. this is only this is this is like a third of the collection. There's another uh, a oh, lot wow. of them in, in uh, the other room. At least three of them aren't playable, and I'm never going to play them again. <laughs> but I like keeping them, you know, because it's like you know, it, it's it, uh, it looks cool.
3: I think you're justified yeah. in that. I think you can. I think you. I mean, you make your living. Thing out of these yeah things, but not those ones though because <laughs> they're never going to be playing again <laughs> but i can't get rid of them they, they were
2: literally like there's no sentimental reason behind them at all either i was like i bought them off ebay because they were stupidly cheap i was like a teenager at the time i, was like, I just want to get more guitars and i was like i just bought the cheapest guitars that i could find There was like, i'm not even kidding like some of them were like 20 quid 30 quid and I'm just like, yeah, give me like second hand, like all those kind of things so that didn't even work. And I was like, okay, well, and yeah, I still have them today. And I don't know why, but I don't want to get rid of them. I'm not going to play them.
3: Uh, so I was going to ask you, like as a, as a pro musician that's gigging to this level and to this standard, is guitar acquisition or gear acquisition still a thing when these are the tools of your trade? But I think you've just... Think answered you yeah, oh. it's, a, it's, a, it's a crux, man. It really is a crux because it's like, I, I
2: obviously I want to, I want as many guitars as I can probably muster because they're just beautiful things even if I wasn't a guitar player it's like they're just nice to look at you know
0: yeah we're lucky aren't, aren't we
2: yeah it's, they're very pretty things you know yeah, like yeah. it's just yeah it's it's like a, it's like a um, just like a, a wall piece it's like a piece of art you know like, yeah, I'd, I'd, have, yeah. I'd have that over a, well, I'd, I'd probably have a canvas at some point but I wouldn't have any room because I've got too many guitars <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I'd just be looking at
2: the guitars yeah, exactly um, they are yeah. no, I, I, I'm always on the lookout for something new and uh, a lot of the times, the funds don't match up to my needs, no, exactly. so I, I I haven't really had a big spend in a while. I think I've been actually spending more money on my uh, pedal board and kind of getting that more up to where I want it to be. Uh, but um, yeah, guitar wise. I'm I'm always up for more PRS's and Gibsons and things like that. So, yeah, no it's a uh, yeah, I'm never going to like not have gear addiction syndrome yeah. <laughs> is the thing. So give us a give
0: us a quick a, a quick talk through your
2: board. Then what what have you got on the board? I would I would like unplug it and kind of show you guys, but it, it's, it, it, it's there's a whole other mess. No, don't. Um worry. but uh, and obviously people won't be able to see it anyway. But um, <laughs> yeah. So um yeah, now I have a lot of pedals. I'm aware I have a lot of pedals. And I don't care what yeah. people say.
0: <laughs>
1: you know,
2: it's like I I respect people who are like, oh, I just plug straight into my Marshall Plexi yeah, and, that's, and just turn it up really loud and that's my tone, man. I was like, yeah, cool. Fine. That's, that's good for you. And and you sound great. That's great. Some people, it not sound so great. Um, but, um... I, yeah, I remember doing one gig where we did like a tiny little pub gig, and some we were the support band, and the guy who was in the main band had a Marshall plexi and two four by twelve cabs in a wow. room that probably wasn't that much taller than wow. me. Wow. I, was like, I was like brushing my head on the roof. I am like, be able to fit this in here, man?" Like, you know, it's like, "No, no." I want it in here. And I was like, okay, cool. Can you at least move it whilst we're doing our set? No! that's my Marshall plexi. I want everyone to see my Marshall plexi. You know what i like, Really? There's like not enough room at the best of times and you're going to leave your, your massive. Okay, right. Because you know, I was a support band, I had no say in the matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, so I basically did the whole gig just like at a night, uh, 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 <laughs> straight upwards. <would> um... <laughs> And uh, yeah, it was a rough kick. And then when he played, it sounded awful because he couldn't get up loud enough because everyone kept turning him to turn it down. I'm just like, you know what? That's okay. And I've always had a thing about um, wanting to get my tone out of a low volume you know, and not have to be super loud. I mean, I'm, I'm loud because it's a guitar. At the end of the day, it's an amp. They're supposed to, be, to make yep. a lot of noise. But I don't want to be like the guy who has to be at 11 the whole time Um, because it wouldn't be pleasant for me, let alone everyone else. I don't want to be standing in front of that for too long. And yeah, I, I have a um bunch of pedals that kind of help me achieve that. So, you know, I've got a, a couple of overdrives. I just recently got a, a pedal called The Dude by J Rocket. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, Best yeah. overdrive
2: pedal I've ever played. It's like really? a dumbbell. It's a dumbbell in the box kind of thing, Excellent. and it's actually reshaped how I do my tone now. I'm like, maybe I will just be a cleaner and put a pedal board and and a pedal kind of guy. Really, um, yeah. it, it depends on the thing, but it's that good. I'm like, mm, okay, maybe I'm one. I might want to base it more on this. We'll see how we go.
3: I say that about every overdrive pedal I ever yeah, buy. Yeah, it's just yeah. like, this is the best overdrive yeah. pedal. I, that, that's it. <laughs> I, don't I don't need, need any more. And this no, exactly. is, everything will be shaped yeah. around this. Well, now. <laughs> the last thing, I,
2: I, every time I bought an overdrive pedal, it has been to complement uh, a gain amp. It's, yeah. to, it's to been like a boost thing or a gain boost and things like that. So I've never really been like, yeah, I want the best overdrive pedal to be on its own and things like that. This is the first time where I've been like, oh, actually, I could quite easily do that. And it sounds amazing. Um, so yeah, J Rocket, the dude, I, I recommend it to any guitar player. Awesome. Um, certainly a lot cheaper than buying a Dumble yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. for sure yeah. um, for sure
3: I think Joe Bonamassa has bought yeah all, exactly got, he, think, it's yeah. like it's like
2: <laughs> you, you can't be more badass when it's like yeah a Dumble is the most sought after amp in the world and then
3: you see him playing like three on stage, I'm like, and oh like, man. And, uh, we love Bonamassa on this show and, and generally speaking, but we have this ongoing recurring joke on the show and outside of it. Whenever we see something that we like, we go, wow well, you better buy that quickly because Bonamassa's <laughs> going to buy them all up And they're going to be gone. Yeah. The <laughs> thing is, he'll, he'll make a joke about
2: that as well. He'll be,
0: he'll be yeah. totally fine yeah. With that, yeah. yeah. Oh, I need but, a new um, kitchen or home. Oh, quick before job on
2: us. <laughs> Kitchen Safari. Kitchen Safari. Yeah. (laughs) That'd be great. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I I've been experimenting a lot with a few new things. Like I haven't really been into fuzz paddles a huge amount uh over, over my career i just recently started getting into them i know what i was missing now because you get some really fun crazy sounds out of a couple of fuzz yeah. pedals chained together <laughs> yeah. um just, yeah i got like an octavia fuzz um it's, it's not it's an octavix by Electroharmonics, which is great uh and it was really mm-hmm. inexpensive as well and it sounds great uh one velvet fuzz as well and putting those two together is that's like I've never heard a more disgusting, beautiful sound. You know, <laughs> it's one of those <laughs> things. It's like, oh. Almost like a synth, I bet. is it? Kind yeah. A of- little bit like yeah. that. And it's just, it's yeah. I don't know. It's one of those things. Where it's like you, you turn on and it's like, I like this is anyone else going to like
1: this <laughs> <laughs> yeah. can
2: i can i fashion this into a song in some way shape or form and i'm going to try we'll see we okay yeah um but honestly i have a lot of other things i have like reverb delay uh, micro pog which needs to be on every person's board the pog is the one of the best pedals ever uh, a wah pedal obviously that really fattens up a tone yeah. like really much there's nothing there's nothing better than chunky. yeah there's nothing better than being in like a heavy rock band and having mm-hmm. having heavy riffs and then for like the last chorus, turning that on for big chunky riffs, yeah. I was like oh
1: yeah it sounds great yeah, I, 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 I always i, I always look that. over yeah. at my
2: like i always look over at my base at my bass player whenever i turn it on and it's, and it's like he kind of look at me just kind of gives this like little kind of look on his face it's like oh well okay because <laughs> obviously okay. Yeah. <laughs> you're in his world
0: now I mean, his, i'm in his realm yeah exactly use yeah.
3: it yeah. yeah. sparing exactly exactly yeah, yeah exactly um, now
2: it's a great time yeah. it really is. honestly one of the main pedals that i swear by actually one of the ones that doesn't it does actually do a huge amount but you don't notice it so much is uh uh, an eq pedal Uh, i have the the boss ge7 eq which i use all the time it's one of those ones where it's on all the time and plug it into the effects loop of an amp and things like that it just makes the tone infinitely more malleable and i've plugged into so many amps like there's been an amps where i've been like i fly into a gig and all they've got there is like a tiny little I don't know, like a little one by ten amp, and it's like that's not gonna mm-hmm. that's not gonna be mm-hmm. anywhere near as fat as I want it to be. So plug it in. I can get my tone out of pretty much any amp, especially if it has an effects loop, because that's where it really really affects it. But mm-hmm. so that's like the main thing. Like if I'm flying into a gig, I'm actually preparing to do some uh, a festival out in America, and. uh, yeah, they have like a big list of amps out so there because I'm not going to ship my amp out there because it's going to be far too expensive. I'm going to borrow their guitars, borrow their amps, but I'm going to take my pedal board. And all yeah. I've said is like, give me a guitar that I can restring with my strings, and give me an amp, give me an amp with an effects loop, and I'll be like, okay, I can manage because with this with, with with this pedal board, I'm just like, yeah, I can get my tone out of it from any amp that I want. I like having a overdriven amp, like you know, I will always play with one of those kind of amps as well. Um, and I think it it depends on between catfish and Revenant ones. I think it's going to be like, yeah, the Revenant ones is definitely going to be full on amp distortion, getting your your trousers flapping in the wind. Um, (laughs) and then maybe with the catfish stuff, it'll be a bit more of the the pedal based stuff. So it's kind of interesting kind of differentiating between the two now, but yeah, no, I love pedals and it's probably the thing, uh, I bought most of during quarantine. Um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, it's been really fun playing with new things and uh getting updated versions of things, things like that. I've probably spent too much money on it especially during a time when I'm not making any money. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I can't wait to get out and gig this thing. You know, it's going to exactly. be great.
3: They'll pay for themselves eventually. Oh, that's going to be a happy day. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Exactly. Yeah, yeah. they they certainly will. That's going to be a happy day when you can plug that board in and use it in anger again.
2: Uh, I, w- I want to like, look, I I stage. know that no one else is going to care. And it's like, it's just for me. I'm going to look over <laughs> at everyone and be like, look, this is my new pedal. no one's going, oh, yeah,
3: cool. Yeah.
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> my beltbone. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: Uh, I think you sit in that nice niche where um, you're gonna you're gonna be able to get that kind of commercial success, and the songs are, are catchy in, in of themselves. But you're also gonna appeal to those guitar. Geeks like us who are going to come Yeah, home, oh, what's he? What's he got on his board? What's I, I always get board? like a little. I always get
2: like a little twinge of pride whenever I and um, we finish a gig, and then there's someone like checking out my stuff. Yeah, I'm just like exactly. I've got exactly. good stuff. Everyone's yeah. looking at me. Yeah,
3: <laughs> exactly, <laughs> absolutely. But that's some really great advice there on the EQ pedal and an often overlooked thing. And we've spoken about it on the on the show before. Matt uh, Oliver mentioned it as well. This kind of uh, ability to really, you know, or, or this this kind of mentality. And not neglect what good eqing can do to your and, and transform it and the adaptability at different venues and yeah because because the way that i use this as well it can also be an
2: attenuator. i could be as quiet as you need me to be so it's it's just such a helpful tool and i recommend every guitarist to at least get an eq pedal and use it in some way shape or form even if it's recording or if it's like because then you can do you can do the crazy stuff as well like the the lo-fi or the hi-fi yeah. intro to a song where it's got no low end and it's just high end. And it just sounds like a radio thing. You could do that if you wanted to. Um, yeah. And honestly, I think it's one of the most underrated pedals like ever. Everyone's like, "Oh, I don't need an EQ pedal. I've got EQ on my amp. I was like, no,
3: hold on a minute it's not the same
1: thing
3: try it out <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you haven't yeah. got this level of ease yeah that's awesome so one last uh, one last question on, on the guitar gear side of things I, we could talk to you oh, for hours you're such a thoroughly lovely oh, chat to you. talk to but um, in terms of uh, this this ongoing acquisition of gear you've spoken about pedals and things but what's uh, what, what is that uh, guitar that's in your mind, at least for the moment, that is uh, going to be your reward to yourself once you've achieved what you want to achieve next? I'm sure there's something in your mind where you're like, you know yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. At some point, I'm going to go and try and probably purchase one of those or, or get, get myself one of those. I think
2: it's... Um... Because the the way I go about it is there's always there's a list I have a list on my phone of like my event if I ever build a studio and if I ever have like a a barn to myself of the guitars I would fill it with and it's like (laughs) I'm not not even kidding there's literally hundreds on there I'm just like yeah this this is this is this is not good (laughs) I'm gonna be broke (laughs) I'm not gonna make any money Um, and a lot of them on there are like for things that I'm like oh this could be helpful to have and like I don't have this kind of thing so. I'll get one of them, but then there are a few that I'm just like I want that because it's pretty. And, uh, yeah, good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, you know, I, I think it would always be a, a Les Paul or a, a PRS uh, for me, or any or Gibson in general. It, that you know, everyone dreams of having a fifty nine Les Paul, and I'm one of those guys. I'll quite happily, you know, I I, I would have one in the heartbeat if I could but uh, I'm quite happy with getting the closest thing things to it so if it's like a Gibson reissue yeah. or or a PRS yeah. kind of based on those kind of things like what this is I'm very happy with that and there is a a particular PRS that not the same as this it's almost the same but the
3: color on it ah oh. I know it's not, I know it's not well, an important thing. <laughs> yeah. No, oh, come on. It is, it is. Uh, no, no, you're, you're speaking to the converted no, know, audience, no, no. right? So we're, <laughs> you're, you're amongst friends now. You don't need to yeah, worry yes, about exactly. That. I know. It's all good. <laughs> but the annoying thing
2: is I don't think they make it anymore. And I'm like, it's uh-huh. it's a PRS SC245, which is what this is essentially. Uh, but they've yeah. changed it now because it's a different name. It's like the 519, And uh, that's I've tried them as well, and they're equally as good. So I'd quite happily get one of them as well. Mm -hmm. When it was the SC two forty five, but the slightly more slightly more updated version of this, there was a color of it called Orange Tiger Flame or something like that, and it was like it was just the most beautiful red. Kind of flame guitar, and was like, Oh, oh that's so pretty.
1: That's the one. And I'm like,
2: that's the one. <laughs> I've never had such a, a sexual reaction to a guitar in my life.
3: I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of my cash has been parted. guitar you know, oh, so expression yeah. on my face. Yeah. And just like, t- t- if my I mom, have
2: ever come across know. that guitar in the wild, I'm not even kidding. I yeah. will empty my account and buy that guitar <laughs> just because i don't know where i can find it again you know and I'm yeah. just like, I, this is one of the guitars where i just, I just want it because it's so pretty i can already tell it'll play beautifully as well i'm just like ah oh. i think uh a few more of the guitars that i'm going to get soon are going to be um like helpful guitars so like um i need to get a guitar for the revenant ones um like have a separate mm-hmm. guitar. I want to get this, but like in black. Yeah. Um, for, for Revenant ones. Yeah. So I want to get like differentiate guitars and have different tunings. And things. Like, a lot of these mm-hmm. are in different tunings as well. Like, so it, they are, they do serve a purpose for that kind of thing. So I, I, mm-hmm. I tend to try and buy at least somewhat helpful guitars every now and again. So uh, yeah, I think the next one's going to be, uh, a Reverend Ones guitar and that will be the Reverend Ones guitar for that for the band. We'll see how we go. But yeah. And I'll I'll be like, oh I don't need to buy any uh, I'll buy I'll buy like that I'll buy that PRS I was talking about. I'm like I finally got it. No, but this guitar this guitar's yeah. pretty nice over here. I'll buy that one too. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I thought I would stop yeah, but it's not end but there isn't well, I, I say the same every every day. But you know, we enjoy these things. And uh, you know it's it's it, it's it's better than better than a lot of things we could waste our money on. And you know you make you make the right purchase with some of these, and they are there to be handed down to the next generation oh, yeah, yeah. and to be treasured and to be looked absolutely, after. Yeah, right? Absolutely, yeah, you know, uh, without 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 any kind of remorse, some of the guitars I've bought. Um, will go to my kids and they're learning to play guitar now. And they're like, they look at it and they go, Those guitars are for us, aren't Aww. they, daddy? When when I was like, Yeah, I'm caretaking them until you're 18. <laughs> That's
1: really sweet, though. That is
3: yes. very
2: sweet. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I, I respect that a lot. That is very nice. That is,
3: yeah. Well, I uh, there's a story I've told before, uh, which is uh, my guitar shop in, in Farnham. Oh, guitar yeah, Village. yeah, used to get uh, you know, yeah, I used to get quite excited because I used to go and make a, a, a a decent purchase every time my wife was pregnant with a child so i went through a phase of whenever i walked through the door they'd be like uh she she expecting it all no not today fellas just just browsing (laughs) i i I was
2: thinking the same sort of thing obviously i don't have any kids but like yeah i was thinking like if i ever did for whatever you know if it it ever came to that i'd be like yeah i would kind of want to do that and then like yeah Buy a guitar yeah. that represents them, and then eventually give that guitar to yeah. them, and like try and like. Obviously, you know it's it's difficult to say because you never know whether your child will actually want to play guitar and or be any kind of musical thing or ever, and they they'll be like the rebellious kid and be like, no, I'm going to go do football instead.
1: Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh,
2: <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I would totally do the same thing if I ever had kids. Um, I so yeah, I respect that a lot. A nice, yeah. idea. I think I, I did. Um. I did do a, a purchase when uh my nan died and I was like, Yeah, I wanted to kind of get a guitar that was I bought in memory of her um, which I think is actually nice. the Les Paul the, the the Gibson one I think that was why I was so like like I just looked at it. And I, I bought it um, obviously because I like Joe Bonamassa but I was also like yeah I want to get a guitar that I know I'm going to like and it's going to mean something to me for that so obviously it means something for me for Joe but it means something for me as well for my nan and I, 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 I have oh, wow. kind of done that a little bit here and there um, not so much recently which
3: I guess is a good thing because it means no one's died but um, <laughs> 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 um but I love that philosophy, I love, and I think we share—we all share that philosophy, right? And Matt you, uh, Oliver, similarly for his guitars, you know, they represent milestones in his life where you know you and your wife have have gone off to to, to you know recognize you know a milestone in your you know, life yeah. and things like that. And it's great that we can we have these purchases as well as things that we love to play, and they and they you know help entertain other people, and they're damn sexy to look at, but they also represent like a bookmark in our life of about something and a memory. That's really yeah. cool. it's it's
2: like like getting a tattoo of like a specific event and things like that I've seen a lot of friends like get tattoos when they like um, or actors when they get like their big break they get a tattoo of that movie that they're in so yeah that's the thing there. so I think it does kind of it's like a similar thing for us where these represent like that specific moment in our lives really for sure amazing we got all all philosophical (laughs) (laughs) well I think I think that that's
0: the perfect place to probably to wrap up Matt and I, I can't you know can't thank you enough for joining us today
3: it's been hey no superb problem, superb guys. Talking yeah. to you,
0: um, discovering your music over the last couple of weeks for me has been fantastic. I'm going to oh, continue thank you. to listen and follow your career, and you know it'd be great to have you back and and talk to you again. absolutely, yeah, time.
2: absolutely, hundred percent. I'm more more than happy for that, and thank you very much for having me, guys. I really do appreciate it.
3: Oh, a pleasure and we'll, we'll come out and see you live yeah. as well <clears throat> um, when you're yeah, back well, out on the road brilliant. and uh, have a have a pint with Absolutely. you and, uh, and and celebrate your, your new tour and your new music but honestly thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure and um, I'm just so I'm encouraged at the way that the future of the uk blues and rock scene is kind of uh being managed and, and caretaken in, in part by yourself oh, you. so you know please absolutely. please keep doing that well, that's that's it's, very it's generous great. of you to it's say really so thank great.
2: you very much thank you kieran and thank you matt for me. and thank you very much for all your nice words really do appreciate it
3: no worries at all
0: brilliant right thank you again matt thanks kieran it's been great to speak to you both have a cracking weekend
3: thank you you too absolutely
0: all the best guys nice, yeah. nice. speak to you later thank guys you, bye Thanks so much again to Matt Long for joining us today. Please go and check out his music from his bands, The Revenant Ones and Catfish Blues Band too. Remember to check us out on our social media pages. That's facebook.com forward slash guitar smarts and on Instagram as well at guitar underscore smarts. Give us a subscribe on your favourite podcast app too so you don't miss a show. As promised, here is Matt Long of the Catfish Blues Band seeing us out with his performance of his song, Ethereal. From the 2021 UK Blues Awards. Enjoy!